Welcome to Sparks and Sparkles with Mel and Amy. Join us as we talk about the wonderful music of Sparks and enjoy a few sips of Sparkles. This is our first episode and we jump right in with some Sparkle Talk and then discuss some of our favorite Sparks songs. Thanks for listening. Cool. Yeah, I didn't have to dig too deep in my um <laughs> in your wardrobe. To, to dig in the wardrobe for, uh, for sparks. For sparks. For sparkles. sparkles. For sparkles. But for do both. you have I do. Okay. So uh yeah, I think I was thinking about this, like we should start every time with like our sparkle talk. Like, what do we have today that's sparkly? Both food. Yes. So what do you oh you have the um where's I have J California Cuvée. And that's from the Sonoma region? It's from the Sonoma region. It's from the J Winery. Um, but this one is just from the BevMo down the street. <laughs> well, I have two. So I, uh, I did just brush my teeth. So I have some sparkling water, but that's only the first sparkle. I just need to, you know. And then I will be drinking house wine. <laughs> and, okay. Okay. So um, this is a limited edition sparkling rosé in a can. Oh. And I was, I got it at Target. And I have to say, it's pretty damn tasty. I got it when I was doing my pool in this, this summer. Oh, that's perfect for a pool party or for any sort of portable drinking activity you might do. Yeah. And uh, I've also been on a big like kitchen rearranging kick. <laughs> Oh, good for you. <laughs> so at, right now, all of the, the, all of the wine, champagne, and beer is in the vegetable drawer at the bottom of the refrigerator. So that's where I got it from. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, um, I got this. I was trying. Okay. So I will just kind of show you what I've got. I did just open it, um, but it is from the J Winery in uh, Sonoma in the Sonoma wine region, which I have been to. Well, I I've been to their winery a couple of years ago. Hold on. Let's just see how this is. Oh, yay. Mm, cheers. Oh, this cheers. This is nice. Fruity, light. Good for a Saturday afternoon. Right. And then but um, what, I, I went what, to their winery and I thought it was really clever because I signed up for the wine club which meant we got a free tasting and it was very enjoyable. But then later I realized that the wine club, then you're buying like $130 of wine every couple months, which was great. But my point is the tasting wasn't free, <laughs> but they do do lovely sparkling wine. Uh, and, and what kind of sparkles? So, and what, what sparkles are you donning? Um, I am just donning a very, you know, if we really want to do sort of like a whole merch thing, this is a necklace I got a couple of years ago. It has, I don't know if you can see that I'm trying to, to show. <laughs> don't don't die uh, for your art, Melanie. <laughs> I will die for my art. I will. This is, yes. Um, it's from Teddy Divine in London. They do all sorts of really cute, um, sparkly necklaces and stuff although the last time I was in their shop in London I was um 
I don't know. I just felt very intimidated for some, you know what? There were two girls in there buying something for someone else's thing. And the, the store person was paying all her attention to those two and none to me. And so in the end, I just felt awkward. And I was like, F this. And I left. Yeah. So, but yeah. they have lots of cute stuff and uh, cool. they're good. Well, uh, as Melanie knows, I did not look very sparkly right before this call, uh, but I didn't have to dig too far into my closet for a sparkly neck shirt, and great. I was already wearing my sparkly glasses. But yes, I did wanna, those are great. I did want to tell you about uh, Mel. Um, so I have a special sparkle on today. Oh, that is this. My um, over Christmas, my sisters and I went through my mom's jewelry. She had bequested some specific pieces to each of us, uh, um, but then she had other stuff to divide amongst us, my sister-in-law, our nieces, my brother, etc. So we went through this, and this was one of the pieces that she bequested to me, which was her engagement ring with a diamond jacket around it. Not really my style, but, wow. uh, you know. Diamonds are fun to wear. And they're forever. <laughs> so you've got that going. Yeah, so that's my uh, that's my sparkle today. Well, I, I thought I would just sort of introduce the two of us a little bit because we have been talking about music together since 1991. So that's, you know, it's not a sparks level of year when we of were commitment, but we were babe. not, we were babies, you know, we were babies or not born at the beginning <laughs> yeah, of the exactly. spark story. Um, so I, I have happy memories of sitting in George's bar in Iowa City, Iowa, putting many dollars in the jukebox and talking to you about music. And I remember like your big song that you really liked, which you probably still like is um, Blue Skies by, Mel um, I was going to say uh, Melissa, but that's their other big song by the Almond Brothers. And you were always a really good sport about putting on an Almond Brothers song onto the jukebox because I was very into them back in the old collegiate days. Yeah, they're, they're not my favorite, but I, I recognize the quality, the craftsmanship <laughs> that is there. They're just not my thing. Um, and I feel like we have had a lot of wonderful moments sort of like singing together and doing things like that so you know in those early college days I believe we did clang 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 with the trolley which of course was from the Sweeney sisters sketch on SNL at the time originally I, from me in St. Louis but yes yeah. and I I actually only very recently heard that song really? for the first time I was very excited. I actually love Mimi in St. Louis. It was one, one of my mom's favorite. And it's kind of like a Christmas, kind of a Christmassy movie. Yeah. But uh, in watching it with Joe, he was like, this song, he's like, this movie, he's like, this poor father in this movie, all like his wife, his daughters, they all want all this stuff. He's just trying to make a living. <laughs> like, it's, you know, it's not about the dad. But he seemed to identify with the dad. But I, I have happy musical memories of you in that way. So that, you know, kind of singing along to that. And then, of course, my top music memory with you is being at the Amsterdam airport very early one morning when we had flown from London to Amsterdam. My husband, my then boyfriend, now husband, had been out very late. So our flight was really early and he kind of seemed like a dead man walking. He was just sort of like a zombie walking through Schiphol <laughs> passport control 
but you and I were in a fantastic mood. And for some reason, we had been listening to a lot of Fifth Dimension. So we were singing Stone Soul Picnic as we went through passport control. And my husband looked like he might pass out um, from (laughs) fatigue and hangover. We were the only people in that line who were actually enjoying themselves. (laughs) Yes. I've never had a better time going through passport control, hands down. I mean, I would say that is a trick that you might want to keep in your bag is if you're in a passport control line and you're bored, just start singing some fifth dimension. You're going to be amazed at how much more enjoyable the your whole experiences. So I feel like Amy and I, we have a really long music connection. And then, um, you Can know, I, 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 one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite music memories with you is, a, I think we were, you were back, you were living in the UK at the time that you're back visiting. <clears throat> and we were going to go to Iowa City, I think, just for a fun, like break from, so for, I live in Chicago, Melanie was, um, I just got a visit, so we're driving to Iowa City, we're driving down, uh, uh, you know, I-88 and the tollway and listening to Pulp, uh, Common People, ah. and uh, I don't know, we were supposed to start seeing, there's a point in Common People where they kind of keep building, 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 and we were both like, la, 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 <laughs> together, and it was a really wonderful memory, uh, and so I, I, I often think of you, when I, that's one of my favorite singing with Melanie memories. So this is amazing because we've talked about all of these other artists besides Sparks, like, you know, but I will just say like when I kind of became obsessed with Sparks and then I, I successfully got you into them, who better to do a podcast with about uh, just obsessing over a band, which kind of brings me. Oh, and then the other thing, the other reason I thought that we could do this well together is because we clearly, through many years, have enjoyed a love of sparkling wine, champagne, cava, local California, any anything even from the non-champagne region of France, Blanc de Blanc. What was that? <laughs> spritzer. spritzer. Yes, a white wine spritzer, spritzer, spritzer. Absolutely, absolutely. And in fact, I do have a favorite sparkling wine memory with you too which is um many years ago so we were younger and you know can i guess yes you can guess uh did it involve aspirin no i don't think it did okay different memory we were we were younger than we are now and and less restrained i would say in our hedonism no more restrained more restrained (laughs) and um we it was at your house we were just hanging out in the backyard we drank a number i i would say a heroic number of bottles of 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 sparkling wine just by ourselves over an extended period of time and we ended up doing um a little gymnastics in your backyard a couple drunken uh somersaults and handstands which is like absolutely ridiculous but a lot of fun and, and, and so over over Christmas, you know, we, we love Sparks. We love talking about music. And um, who better? Who better to talk about Sparkles and Sparks with? Um, I have more to say that I wrote down, but I'll, I'll just leave it for now. Um, 
I, I kind of wanted to get into why we sort of wanted to do this. I think we've we've yeah, established absolutely. the interest. This is what I thought, you know, we we love Sparks. We love talking about music. And honestly, that documentary really inspired me a lot. Um, one of the things that I kind of took away from it was the importance of just, you know, following a creative path that means something to you. And so this is that thing. I don't know, like, I don't know where it's going to lead. It's a little bit weird, but who cares? So, so are sparks. So, so, so why not, why not do it? And, and the other thing that I was thinking about was that, you know, a lot of mu music podcasts are run by men. And to me, and, and obviously hashtag not all men, they, they have a different vibe. I think, I think men who are interested in music to my, in my experience, they, they come at it in a different way. Like they want to collect things. I don't, I don't really have an interest in collecting things. Um, you know, when I was growing up, uh, record stores, obviously you had to go to them to buy the latest music, but I always found them a really unwelcoming place. If you were a woman, there's often mm -hmm. like a, a man or like somebody who was intimidatingly cool behind the counter who had all of this knowledge that, that you didn't have. Um, and I, I still, you know, feel that a little bit when I go into those spaces. And obviously I know not all women feel that way in there. Lots of women who collect these kinds of things, but um, that is not for me what music is about. Uh, the other thing is I feel like a lot of sort of male focused podcast they're really interested in a lot of the technical details like okay so they were in this studio in august of 1974 and they were the first people to use this particular instrument and of course that's interesting and it has its place but it's not something i personally am interested in i i'm interested um in in other things i i want to talk about how the music makes me feel I want to talk about what songs I decided were perfect for my super awesome positive positivity mix. I want to deep dive into the lyrics and what I think about them. I want to talk about the videos. I definitely want to get into a discussion of clothing choices across eras. I mean, you could do, you could really get into, say, looking at Russell's suits in the sort of 80s period. This could be an entire show from my point of view. And so 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 this is 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 much more interesting to me than, for example, what type of amp uh, they use at a particular time. That's obviously people have an interest in that, but if you if that's what you want, you're not going to get it here, or at least not from me. So that's that was my interest. I've done a lot of talking, Amy. Uh, I'm gonna pass it over to you. What what has inspired you to go down this path? Well, um, when the Sparks Brothers documentary came out, a couple of people had recommended it to me. You were one of them, um, including my, uh, my uh, husband's friend had watched it and really enjoyed it. And, and Joe was like, I think you'll really like this. It's really good. And Melanie, you recommended it because I, you know, I was a pretty serious mu classical musician for a number of years and uh, have really moved away from that to, to just for many, many reasons. And, but I, I definitely miss creating music and just creating anything, just creating. And um, you had said 
that one of the reasons why you thought I would enjoy the movie so much and enjoy the band so much was uh, because they really stuck to they really stuck to creating music regardless of whether it was going to go anywhere. And I think they mentioned one of the um, interviewees mentions that in the documentary that they compose every day, like they spend every day making music. And that is a very inspiring thought. And I don't, that's certainly not the road for me, but it was uh, really neat to see, uh, you know, see some artists do it. And then of course, as the, the further you get into it, the more I just really like their music. And I had heard a couple of their songs before. I definitely remember um, Oh, this, I'm going to stop you here. This kind of brings me to my next question. What I, I, I have answered this, but I'll ask you first. Yeah. What do you think kind of got you into them? Like, tell me about that process of getting into them. So I had heard Girl from Germany. Oddly enough, it was on like a glam rock compilation CD that I bought in like 2001 or something. Wow. It was, yeah, and I, I always liked it. I never really thought much about it. And uh, anyway, I think that what got me into this was you sent me a, <laughs> yeah, you sent me a link to um, tryouts for the human race. Yes. From the top of the pops. It was like the YouTube video and it was the top of the pops recording, I believe. And I was just, I, I just really was struck by it. I loved the like, and this was my first, I hadn't seen the, I hadn't seen the um, documentary yet. Um, you know, and it was, it was interesting to watch um, Ron Mayall, uh and, and that sort of Hitler-ish look. And, and he's like, you know, he has a video of him in the back rocking back and forth. And he's playing <laughs> the, kind of know, like autistic actually that I, I thought with that. Yeah. And I say and, that as someone with an autistic brother. So yeah, and just the way he was, you know, the way he was playing, playing. You know what I mean? Like he was very yeah. staged, and I really enjoyed it. And then the then the the um, you know, the, then the difference of uh, uh, Russell Miles, as a singer, and uh, you know, he was just really fun, and it was a ca dang catchy tune, and um, yeah. So it just it really made me go, oh yeah, and then now we're here. So that's funny because like, I did think you would like that song, but I did send it to you. I was like, this is going to mm -hmm. get her. This song yeah. is going to hook her. Okay. And I was right. I was yeah. right. Cause I needed someone else to, to share my <laughs> obsession with, which I will kind of talk a little bit about what got me into Sparks. So definitely the Edgar Wright documentary was the catalyst. There's, there's no question about that, but it wasn't like a direct link but it definitely kicked off the journey shall we say um so i was aware of a few of their songs i'd actually had because i lived in uh the uk for about 10 years um i had actually had this town ain't big enough for the both of us on a mix that um had come from ducky it was a ducky playlist and the thing is like i it's not my favorite spark song by far like i recognize it's a, it's a good song i I like it, but I don't love it. I mean, I was actually listening to it this morning and I, I do like it. That was by choice, but like, it's not my number one and, and never really has been. And in fact, at that time that it was on that mix, I didn't know it was Sparks. I actually thought it was a female singer, which I feel like is a testament to 
to Russell's range. Like I did not, I, I didn't know that was um, a male singer, um, but I, I didn't fall in love with it and I didn't go any deeper. And then later, actually, I got a different mix from Ducky that had the number one song in heaven on it. And I did really fall in love with that one. Like I listened to it a lot and I knew it was Sparks, but I uh, didn't, I didn't think they were still recording, actually. I had no idea that they were still recording. And I obviously wasn't moved enough to do anything about it. And then, <clears throat> so, but it was that sort of like background interest that kind of got my my husband and I to go see the documentary, which did really inspire me. And funnily enough, while I was watching the documentary and they got to cool places, I was like, oh, hey, I know that song because I was, you know, a, a kid at that time, but I was definitely in that MTV demographic that they were trying to reach. Um, and that's funny to me as well, just kind of recognizing a song that I didn't know was theirs in the documentary because I later showed that documentary to my parents. And while we watched it, my dad actually recognized Wonder Girl because he was working as a radio disc jockey at the time. And so he he remembered it from when it had been a not very successful single. But it was actually, um, but even though I was kind of like listening to Sparks and, and liking them after the documentary, it was actually after... Um, I heard, I can't believe that you would fall for all of the crap in this song that really sent me hurtling <laughs> into fandom. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think it's just something about, I mean, first of all, I did fall for all of the crap in that song. Like, there's no doubt that I did. But there's just something about the way that song is arranged. It's very tight. It's well done. It's cynical. I, I mean, well, maybe cynical is the wrong word, but knowing perhaps is the right word. That sort of sent me into Sparks super fandom. And I have to say, it it feels a little bit like a midlife crisis. But if it is my midlife crisis, I would say it's quite enjoyable. So if this is my sports car and my younger, oh, yeah. hot new model, I'm into it. <laughs> so uh, I have to say, I... I, one of the things that Melanie have talked about is she's been kind of diligently like listening to album by album and I've just been jumping around listening to stuff. So I am not familiar with that song. So we'll definitely it, it's on it. exotic creatures of the deep and I'm not there yet. Uh, my, oh, just, I just happened album. to hear it randomly and I just completely fell in love with it. Um, but this sort of leads us to the, what are your, I, I, I would say, what are your top three spark songs and i'm gonna let you lead with this okay oh so this was a this was um a topic that melanie and i talked about before recording this and you know it's impossible it's, it's an impossible ask but so what i decided to do was focus on the the most earwormy songs okay for me meaning that after I listened to him once or twice, like I would have the tune like in my head later. So, um, so I, there, I have many more than three, of course, songs I really enjoy. But of the ones that I wanted to talk about, were the first one would be, um, I think it's called "All That We've Done." Oh, it's. I think it's all that. It's from all that. Steady drip, drip, drip. Yes, thank you, Melanie. Uh, so. <laughs> 
quick sidebar. You mentioned that your dad was a radio DJ. And I always love the story about like on car trips. Their your yes. dad would uh you could probably tell it so, better, but so I have like um an encyclopedic knowledge of a lot of music. I'm gonna say up to uh around 2004 if you've seen the movie um i think it's wine country when um maya rudolph says nothing beyond hey ya i feel <laughs> like i'm i'm like that i'm like okay nothing beyond hey i mean that's not entirely true obviously but but i feel like it's it's a lot easier for me to not know beyond like let's say 2005 um but when i was growing up my dad was a a radio DJ until I was about five and he was always like a huge music guy and he still is um but he would kind of try and train I, I think he probably just thought it was fun but he would he would always if he was driving in the car with me and my older brother he would ask us quit he would quiz us about the music on the radio so for example all right Eric Melanie I'll give you a dollar if you know the name of this song, Total Silence. Oh, the name of this song is The Letter. The Letter. Okay, one more opportunity for a dollar. One more opportunity for a dollar. Who sings it? The and, and obviously we didn't know. The Box Tops. The Box Tops. Okay, one more opportunity for a dollar. What year did it come out? Total Silence in the back seat. 1967 1967 so so now it is true that i um i like i will often know like the song and i'll know like a lot about it i heard a song the other day and like i'm telling you i heard maybe three seconds of it like it was a very short amount and i was like oh this is blah -de blah and then it was and i actually kind of shocked myself that i recognized it so quickly now uh that i am 48 so you know moving into my elderly years or middle age or whatever um i still love modern music i i still do uh very much but the difference is i do not always know who sang it or what year came out or what it's called usually if i fall in love with it though i will get there but uh for a while i'll be like oh what is that song yeah just snapping my fingers over that one so so yes that's that's how i know even though i haven't listened to all of a steady drip 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 that it is oh, i love it anyway so i really love that song for a couple of reasons um but i'm gonna talk a little bit about the the construction of the song okay. and why it's earwormy to me and okay. why I really enjoy the song. First of all, uh, I think it's it. one of the things we've talked about previously, and I know we're gonna talk about more as we take a look at more and more of their songs. Um, I think one of the things that I really enjoy about the Sparks music in general is they do a really good job of using repetition as a musical device. Yes. As a compositional device. And so all kinds of examples of that. And I think that all that has that, it's, it kind of just repeats. It doesn't have a lot of lyrics. And so it allows you to really absorb the, the tune and what they're saying and what, you know, it's a really nice, uh, thoughtful song. Um, and the other thing too, is that what I think I was thinking about this beforehand. Um, so I, I have a musical background and 
I was trying to figure out like, why is this song work, but also leaves you a little bit wanting more or want to like a little bit haunting. And I'm going to go on very briefly into just a like little music theory 101 as to why for me personally, it, it feels that way. So, um, you know, every there's eight notes in a major scale. So do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. And each one of those has a number associated one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one. And if you get into learning about how music or how Western music is constructed, each one of those notes has some place within our, our communal musical knowledge. What I mean by that is, is that if I just sang do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, I need the dough. What, what happened? Yeah. Come on. Right. Come on. Don't do that to me. Yeah. It's like the um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit when uh, I think I can't remember which uh, the, the bad guy was like, no tune can resist this. And he starts smacking shade in his head. I have yeah. never seen that movie. Oh, my God. I know. Yeah. I know. It's okay. I know. Anyway, it is. That it is, is a topic for another day. Yes, it Carry is wonderful, on. but his point is like, then, then the, the Roger Rabbit jumps out and goes, it's like he can't not finish it. <laughs> right. So, so one of the reasons why I think that is a haunting melody is because they, they jump octaves. They're going, all that we've done, we've done, we've done, I've just realized you're going to bring all the technical into this, which is great for people who, who want that. And I just was like, oh, we're not going to have any of that, but we are. Of well, course we are. I, I don't care about the sound mixing. I don't know, whatever. This is more just how it, me. And, and what I love about that is it actually it lands on la, ti, do. So it ends on the sixth note of the scale or la. And it just, it doesn't feel resolved. I love that. And I love that the jumping of the octaves too. Um, so that's that, really, that, are, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, 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 I was going to say, there's some reasons why I really enjoy that. That's really interesting. And I've noticed that technique um, in, in a number of their songs. Actually, I, I don't know if you know this, famously the Adele song, Rolling in the Deep. One of the reasons people really like that song is because it has that build that sort of builds to the chorus. And then you get to the, we could have had it all. Um, I'm not as good of a singer as Amy, but but or, your your brain is actually like waiting for that moment. And I think they do that in their songs and they, they know do. they're doing it. Like actually the the song I mentioned, um, I can't believe that you would fall for all the crap in this song. Like it is a very like for most of the song, they have like a really hard driving beat, but then there's like two breaks where it's, it's very different. And I, I feel like that is absolutely by design to sort of like give your brain a little bit of a break and then, whoa, we're right back into it. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's stuff I don't understand how to do, but I know they're doing it. Yeah, it keeps you wanting more and more. What about you? What's one of your top three? Okay, so I have three and this is like a list that I feel like will obviously constantly change. Um, if you ask me next week, I might have a different answer. Yeah, these were my three for today's discussion. Just for today. <laughs> okay, so my first one that I would say I really 
I would put at the top, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's definitely, it could be, is At Home, At Work, At Play by, um, I was going to say by Sparks, funnily enough, <laughs> from Propaganda. Okay, so first of all, that song, and I actually love the whole Propaganda singing right before that, and then it just goes right into that song, that whole album to me is just like, it's, it's brimming with so much confidence. And I, this is just my take. I obviously don't know. I, it's, it's kind of like when you, when you read something like, oh, this body language expert, you know, is going to tell you what this person was thinking, or this psychologist is going to say this. No, they have not treated the patient. Okay. So like, I obviously haven't, this is my feeling about the whole propaganda album, which is not even my favorite, but it is up there. You know, they had had so much pressure. Maybe they put so much pressure on themselves to have a successful album, right? Because their first two albums didn't really sell that well. And then Kimono My House is like a perfect album. I would actually say it is a perfect album. Like there's no, there's no bad track on it. They're all great. Um, I do think it simultaneously sounds of its time and doesn't. That's a story for another day. But that album and this town ain't big enough for both of us, of course, sparked off, <laughs> sparked off um, the spark mania time of the early 70s. And then they quickly wrote propaganda. My take on propaganda is that probably a couple of those songs had already been hanging out, but they had the pre the pressure was off. The pressure was off to have the big super success album and there was probably just so much mania going on like concert 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 14 year old girls like trying to attack you on stage etc cetera, etc cetera. um that they could just do this album without that pressure and i feel like that confidence shines through the album to me and i feel that in propaganda which is like so, it's it's so full of energy from the beginning and it just like I also feel like the way in which it was recorded has that kind of like great 70s pop rock song feel to it. Like you've got like the echoes and all this stuff. And um, uh, yeah, and then there's also a part in it, which is kind of related to this whole like messing with your brain kind of thing. The part where like you've got like a guitar solo and then it kind of goes into a piano like at the chorus, the first time I heard that I actually gasped. Like I just thought it was just so beautifully done. And of course, you know, I like the idea of being a cool girl like that, that you got to catch while uh, she's still at home. You got to catch her while she's still at work. You got to catch her while she's still at play. I like that too. And by the way, those lyrics, you know, during the lockdown, Sparks did their lyrically speaking thing. And I have watched Ron Mail read those lyrics like in a very straight man kind of way when he gets to that end, end lyric. I gotta say, I've thought about that moment. <laughs> so so that's, that's one that I would put up there as one of cool. my favorites. Uh, what about you? Uh, all right. So I think my next one is number one song in heaven. And the reasons why the, the, I cut, that kind of made the cut to talk about today, and I think we'll probably spend more time, hopefully more time in a later discussion, kind of digging into the construction of that song and 
Um, you know, you had talked about the producer, had also, I think, produced um, Down the Summer. Yes. Yeah. Down the Summer. And so we'll get a lot, you know, such fun conversation for another day for us nerds. Um, but that, I think a couple things reason that, that that's like, first of all, I think it's another example of uh, using repetition as a musical device very, very effectively um, because it, they, they repeat, they repeat, they repeat, they get louder, they get louder, they Yes. You know, it's, it's just such a great, they do such a great job on it. Um, and you, the other reason why I picked that song is, uh, like I said to Molly one time, I said, you know, I swear I've danced to that song at a gay bar somewhere. I know I have. Oh, I definitely have. Becky. 100% I have. Absolutely. Yes. And um, it just, there, there's a, there's an aspect of that song that is so uh, like ahead of their, ahead of the time, basically. Like Complete, that song totally. could have come out in the nineties and have. it didn't, it came out in what, 79? Yeah. You know, and it's interesting you say that because like, I do feel like if you listen to some of their stuff, it just sounds like it's great. It's great. But you can just hear like, oh, this is from the 90s. This is from the 80s. Like they really went into whatever like the production moment was at the time. Like if you listen to, I think it's pulling rabbits out of the hat. It sounds very, very 80s in terms mm -hmm. of production to me. Yeah. Um, Kimono, I love it. But as I said, and I actually think that is like there are songs on there that sound like they could have come out today for sure but there is absolutely uh this was recorded in the 70s vibe to it so like i agree i think number one in heaven is is timeless i think it's of its time too but anyway i feel like i went on a tangent there so no 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 um you know and the other thing too i was thinking about this when you mentioned uh cool places and i you know i don't think that I don't think it's a negative if me certain music sounds like it's of its time. Oh, you know, me neither. I think some people poo-poo it or they might poo-poo me like that's so 80s sounding. But we grew up in the 80s. And so exactly. that, I, that, you I know, don't care. Put that 80s shit <laughs> the production on. production of I'm music, songs like that, yeah. they have a real, um, what is it? Not retrospective, but, you know, there's just a, a core remember. Their memories of that time and... I'm like blanking on the word. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, so so number one song in heaven, uh, timeless. I think great use of repetition. Um, again, shows quite a range, vocal range, and has like just that like constant, uh, you know, musical build. That yeah, that beat. I love that song too. I'm actually a little sick of it though right now because I've just heard it so so many times. But again, that was one of the first songs of theirs that I knew and played a lot. Yeah. Um, and then for some reason, my Spotify decided like every time I had a suggested spark song, it was always that one. <laughs> and I was like, no, I want more. So I want to look at the albums. Okay, so I have a second one. Um, my second one is upstairs um from Womp That Sucker, which I have to say now, Grant, as Amy said, I'm I'm doing this like Sparks Obsessive Super Fan thing where I'm like slowly working my way through every single album. Okay, so I'm only up to Balls, which is funny to say. I, I'm excited 
because I know like I'm soon to go into the quote unquote modern sparks era. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But, but most of my favorite songs are coming from that earlier period, which is why I know they'll change. But I, right now I would say want that sucker is my favorite sparks album by far. So fun. It's so fun. And I think, again, as Amy said, we grew up in the 80s. We were like, I mean, I was like a new wave kind of child. So like every song on that album, I honestly feel like they could have written this one's for you, Mel, on the cover. And it, it would have it would it would totally work. But I I and I love a lot of songs on that album, but I just adore upstairs. Again, it's it's such an energetic song. And I actually, especially the beginning, like the beginning's got this like, like they're doing a little synth stuff. I feel like this could be a Devo song, like for sure, which I definitely. Yeah, we need to talk about that because that's a definite, yes. So we we need to unpack that later, my friend, but yes. It's very much in the style of that sort of like 80s new wave, even also reminds me of the Vapors turning Japanese. I feel like there's just this sort of like very frenetic, synthesizer energy to it um but i also feel like with this particular album you know they it was coming off uh terminal jive which they had done before and like that whole sort of like pop sound they were doing and i kind of feel like they changed directions but they just let themselves have fun on this album and it really shows and the thing i like about upstairs is of course it has really classic spark lyrics because it's all about all the crap that's going on in your head all the time. Uh, a quarter pound of good ideas, half a ton of dirty jokes. You know, why don't you get out of my head? I just, I love it. And um, that's obviously a, a glimpse into at least Ron's brain, if not both of them, uh, which is interesting to me. And <clears throat> it, as I said, the song is like, it's just, there's so much energy. This is a really fun song to seek out live versions from that era on YouTube because they clearly did it as like a number to really kind of get the crowd going. There's some, Russell does some sort of weird performance art stuff. I don't know in the middle of the sky. I mean, you know, not covering himself in, um, in Nutella or anything <laughs> like that. Just sort of like, I don't know crawling around on the stage for a few minutes but it just there's so much energy there i i love it this is actually a song that i play when i want to pump myself up before i do something too so okay what's your third choice all right this uh, was really hard but ultimately again i thought earworm and then i thought video and things that stuck with me so uh, I will say that uh, when do uh, when do I get to sing my way? Ah, oh, so good. I've been listening to it a lot recently because I've been listening to gratuitous sax a lot. Yeah, there are a number of things that struck me about that song. First is, you know, it did hit home for me in some ways. That the 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 lyrics and the point is, you know, I'm a, I'm a singer, and sometimes you feel like, when is my moment? When 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 will I have my moment? Yeah, when am yeah. I gonna when am I gonna have the moment and that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people and to me different things at different points in my life but it, it has like a little ache to it just a little yes. ache there in there and I really loved that they were willing to make a song about that and have that little ache in there um I think it's a pretty catchy tune but 
other reason why I really love it is I, the video, which I think is very is great. They both and, look uh, super hot in it. That's the well, topic is, for now. It's a topic for now, but we'll just say they both look I, super and, hot. And uh, what I really love, like it, what, what really um, engaged me was that there's a part, like in the video, it's whatever, watch the video, but there's a little part in it where it's like a, supposed to be a flashback of them as, as children. I mean, they're characters. Yes! characters. Oh my God, I love and, it. Uh, the, the Russell Child <laughs> character is tap dancing and uh, the Ron Child character is playing the piano for his brother tap dancing and the mother is like, oh, you're so wonderful to the tap dancing child. <laughs> You see the face of the uh, child playing Ron. He's got a little mustache. <laughs> I know. Actually, it's so funny you mentioned that scene because, first of all, I feel like my take is they had a lot of fun putting that together because, like, the kid who plays Russell is this, like, very cutesy little in a sailor suit kind of thing like oh isn't he just adorable we're just gonna squeeze his little cheeks and then yeah they've got the the little kid piano player with the mustache it is is a great it's a great little bit and i i bet i really think they had fun doing that too yeah which is you know we, i i will say in a lot there's certainly plenty of art that does this but one of the things that again i enjoy about with their music and, and their videos and the you know interview stuff that we've seen and heard is that they have the very uh, uh, special ability to be both poignant and funny at the same time. Yes. Or poignant and dot, dot, dot. But uh, there's the levity to it and to their performances and their music that I, that really is engaging to me. Okay. And it's interesting that you mentioned that this song really hit you because like when you think about that song and of course we don't know like what was specifically going on with them when that song was written but you know we know a little and then we know how old they were when that song came out to me like being 48 almost 49 I feel like that song which is they were in their 40s for sure when they wrote it um <clears throat> It, it, it really does sort of touch on this idea of like, when do I have my time? Like I've done these things and, and that frustration, and of course it comes out of the time when they weren't having huge success. You know, I, I was thinking about this because, you know, now that the documentary has come out and it's th almost 30 years since Gratuitous Sacks came out, which is like just, yeah, 1994. Um, you know, we look at Sparks and I, I suspect now when they go to any sort of music event or entertainment event, they get a lot of respect and accolades for everything they've done. But honestly, that is really a testament to the longevity, actually. You know, if, if even, even 20 or 30 years ago, I don't think they would have gotten that because there are lots of bands that had hits 20 years ago and then have a comeback single but that's not what these guys did they they kind of just kept steadily working i forgot i read something and i think it was actually related to musicians like this musician was going through kind of a, a dark period where people weren't interested in their music and someone said just hang on if you can if you can make it like five or ten more years you will be a legend right and and they are at the legend spot which they have earned they've earned it okay but but that is actually what makes them special is 
the fact that they have kept going all of these years. Um, it's really hard. But they hadn't it's achieved really, that really at that hard. time. They were kind of coming off that probably like a brush with obscurity. So there's a song on um, Angst in My Pants, which I was listening to this morning. <laughs> like, no, that is a good one. But uh, it's the song The Decline and Fall of Me. But there are some lyrics in it that's like bubbling under, I'm drowning. I'm, I'm not getting the lyrics exactly right. But bubbling under is the, um, that's the billboard below the top 100. It was called bubbling under for many years. And I'm sure that's where that lyric comes from, bubbling under, I'm drowning. And there's that bit in the documentary where they talk about how they missed their initial pop top of the pops gig and then the rubettes were on and then they got the number one because um uh well, this town never hit number one it was a number two single and if you don't think that annoys them oh i'm sure it annoys them right like i mean of course it does you're so close this is like your most and 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 let's let's be honest if if you ask people have you heard of sugar baby love which is the Rubette song that hit number one there are going to be a lot fewer people who say yes to that than if you say have you heard of this town ain't big enough for the both of us way more people will say oh yeah i've heard this town so like definitely this town has had the longevity but um what is my point here that sort of frustration of like not quite hitting the big time i think permeates a lot of certainly their earlier music. But I actually think that's one of the things that has brought them success because if they had achieved, uh, say, David Bowie level success or something like that, that would be a whole different level of issues to deal with. And you wouldn't have that creative tension that I suspect has propelled them forward. Again, I feel like I went on a long tangent. No, no, I like what it. I was talking about. You know, about. it's just, it's, it's hard. It's hard to... I think that we, whatever you and I have talked about it plenty in our own, like our, our own creative journeys and, you know, making art, making music, there's a quality of you do it for yourself. Yes. But you, you also don't like, if you release it into the world, then you, you are impacted by the reception by, um, Anyway, whatever. So well, yeah, and it, it's it's kind of like in the in the Sparks uh, documentary, the Sparks Brothers documentary, having Flea talk about introducing Sparks, which you know it was a very low selling album of theirs, and then Ron talking about how much it meant to him to hear Flea talking about how he thinks it's a good album. You know, like you you were right. You you put this thing out there. You want it to be critically received because you put your heart and soul into it, right? You, you, you've good art. I think does that. Good art takes the the risk of being vulnerable, and and they've done that again and again and again. And sometimes that's been extremely well received, and sometimes it hasn't. I think they do have a lot of artistic integrity where they they want to do things a certain way. And I mean, there's definitely <laughs> there's another line in the documentary that I feel like. This says a lot. And I'm again, I'm going to get it wrong, but it's something like there are songs that aren't that good, but you'll, Ron says something like there are songs that aren't that good, but you'll never hear any of them. 
you know, like, you know, that they are, they're working like, nope, this one's not good enough to release. We're not going to release this one. You know, um, I feel like I'm going someplace with this. Oh, I believe that even though they have that artistic drive, of course, they wanted every single thing that they've released to be a hit. Of course, well, yeah, they have, because, I mean, you know. because who doesn't want to be successful creating things that you really love and care about and you want to share with people? So anyway yeah no when when do i get to sing my way it is a really great song and i actually because i've been listening to gratuitous saxon senseless violence a lot recently i i must say i do love the production of that song too it is it's very 90s that whole album like as soon as you're listening to it you might as well be in a time machine back to the 90s like every 90s production thing that you remember like do you remember the piano do you remember like there was always a piano like kind of like that house music piano that's there that's there white guys rapping there that's there you know <laughs> um but for um, my way, they have that like kind of like swirling as you're getting to the core. Oh, I just love it. It is. It's it's really just great. So nice choice. Funnily enough, my third choice is also off gratuitous sax and senseless violence, but it's at the end of the album. So you chose the first song well besides uh gratuitous sax you chose the first big song on there mine is the last big song on there before senseless violins i like let's go surfing so the lyrics are about two people who are living in a place that's kind of miserable and they just sort of imagine that instead of being in their gray landlocked town behind security bars they're surfing on a beautiful beach with sand as white as the snow and um the thing i love about it <clears throat> is obviously that message it reminds me of times when times in my life that have been really grim which to me is this like rain is falling down in our landlocked town and I, I personally think when you have moments like that, you almost have to imagine yourself out of them. Like you have to think your way out of those really difficult times. And that, so it's, it's this, the contrast between the grimness, like it's a line, like in a room only Dickens could love, um, <laughs> you know, like there's just some really great lines about the grimness that are contrasted with the freedom and the joy and the brightness of surfing. Um, and, and of course, again, having seen the documentary, that whole section about them being kids and spending all this time on the beach in Santa Monica, which I go to quite a bit and I always feel free and I feel like some joy there. Mm -hmm. um, to me, this song <clears throat> is really about trying to imagine that better future. And of course, as, as we've already talked about, this song came out of that period when they had had such great disappointment professionally and that people were not, you know, like their, their project failed and, and they, they didn't have any big albums out, but then they made this. And I kind of think, <clears throat> this is like all great art. It, it kind of has to come from a vulnerable place. You have to be willing to put your vulnerability on um, 
the the page. This is probably, you know, it is one of my favorite songs right now. I don't know if it'll be one of my favorite songs. It's, it's not one that I have become addicted to. I've had, so, you know, a number of Spark songs that I feel like I've become addicted to briefly <laughs> and then moved on. But sure, yeah, I mean, but but I think this song is always going to be up there for me because I just I love the whole contrast of like this is a situation and it sucks but you know what let's go surfing let's tonight let's let's do something different like there's a line like there's a westerly wind that's blowing both our minds you know like it's just i love it yeah so so that is my third choice oh that's that's wonderful um okay those are all the questions and content i have for today um do you have anything else you want to add or no, but this was really fun.